to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 41, Genesis chapter 41, and I want to preach a message that I really think is going to touch a lot of people, I think this is going to help a lot of people, how many of you know there's a devil out there, how many of you know there's a devil who knows our weakness, there's a devil who knows sometimes how to manipulate us, we let him do it, we give him a foothold, and then he gets a stronghold in our life, and those strongholds hinder us, and they hurt us. And they, and they diminish our spiritual life. But through the power of God, we can tear down those strongholds. And I believe this message is one of those messages that will help people to tear down the strongholds that the devil has put in their life. And so Genesis chapter 41, I just want to read verses 50 through 52. And then I want to preach about it. And it says, and to Joseph, not Joseph who was the husband of Mary, But Joseph in the Old Testament, Joseph with the coat of many colors. Maybe that helps you, some of you who know the Bible story. And and to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Azanath, the daughter of Potai, fairy, priest of On, bore to him. I love Bible names. We butcher those poor Bible names. Anyway, verse 51. Now listen to this. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim. And he's, listen, he said, For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my afflictions. Well, I'm going to ask you something. Do you love a good rags to riches story? I, I, I can't hear you, but I know the answer is yes. We all love a rags to riches story. I was thinking about the classic Charles Dickens story, Oliver Twist. Oliver was an orphan. Oliver was poor. Oliver didn't have anything. But when the story finally ended, he was adopted and by a wealthy man and everything was wonderful and he went from rags to riches. Uh, if you want to know a person that probably all of us know, when I say her name, if you don't know her, it would be strange. There is a person in America, a famous person, who has a rags-to-riches story, and that person is Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey was born into a very poor family in Mississippi in 1954, and she had a very traumatic upbringing. She was abused and molested by two family members and also by a friend of the family. At the age of 13, she ran away from home. At the age of 14, can you imagine, 14, she got pregnant and had a baby, and then the baby died shortly thereafter. What a life, what a tragic life, what trauma that Oprah Winfrey went through. But things turned around for her at the age of, uh, well, 18 or whatever, 17, 18, whatever, she got a scholarship to go to Tennessee State University. And, and uh, at the age of 19, this is very significant, she became the first African-American TV correspondent in the state of Tennessee. Well, from this part, you probably know the rest of the story. Eventually, she moved to the city of Chicago. 
And there she began to work on her own show, the Oprah Winfrey Show. And it became a hit in Chicago and then became a hit nationwide. And, and probably one of the most watched TV shows in America. Aired for 25 seasons. And finally, when that was over in her life, she founded the Oprah Winfrey Network and own. Some of you know what the own that own TV. And so now she owns her own TV network. Isn't that something? And I looked it up. Oprah Winfrey's net worth is $2.6 billion. A woman who grew up in a very poor family in Mississippi now worth $2.6 billion. Well, the story of Joseph is much like the story of Oliver Twist and Oprah Winfrey. It's the story of tragedy turned to triumph. A nomadic shepherd boy uh, eventually becomes a ruler of Egypt, which was one of the most powerful nations on the earth. And Joseph's path to personal success was dotted with many episodes of intense suffering. And I'm not going to tell all of it. We could, I could preach a series on the life of Joseph. But let me just show you. His siblings abused him. His parents doubted his dream. His brothers sold him into slavery. They threatened to kill him. Uh, he was incarcerated unjustly. And then people who could have freed him failed to come through for him. He was, he was uh, disappointed and rejected, and, and, uh, and, and that was a very difficult time for him, a two-year period when he thought he was going to get out and he had to stay in prison for two more years. But eventually, finally, Joseph fulfilled his God-given destiny, and he became you know, he had this dream that he would be a ruler. Well, it came to pass, and he became second in command of Pharaoh and, and, and essentially ruled all the land of Egypt. But what I want you to see is that his success lies not with the acquisition of power and position, but in his triumph Excuse me, over the suffering that he endured. That's the success. He overcame the obstacles that tried to hinder him from reaching his dream. The Bible tells us that Joseph married a woman from Egypt, and he had two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And in the Bible, names given to children often carried significance or meaning, and this was the case with Joseph's children. Let me show you what I mean. The word Manasseh means making forgetful. Making forgetful. And the name Ephraim means fruitfulness, fruitfulness. I want to preach about these two boys, and I want to preach about their names and what they mean because these names are important because they're indicative of how Joseph successfully dealt with his troubles and his trials and his hurts and his suffering. So let me just teach you some things from the life of Joseph. Number one, here are things that Joseph understood. Here, here's something that he understood and we should understood. Everybody experiences trying times. Doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, how much money you make, how educated you are, everybody in life goes through some kind of difficulty. And, and it can be any number of things. I thought about uh, you may have a good friend and then that friend stabs you in the back. Now that's tough. It's always tough when a good friend stabs you in the back. A co-worker may shrewdly manipulate and work the boss and steal a promotion that you were supposed to get. That hurts. Perhaps you, are, you have been the butt 
of a very cruel joke. That, that's always painful. Perhaps someone has used you at the expense of your emotional health. We've all suffered some kind of difficulty. <clears throat> but how you respond to these difficulties or these challenges or these attacks or these offenses determines how you're going to be affected in three particular areas. Let me show you what I mean. Number one, your attitude. If you allow these things to impact you negatively <clears throat> long term, it'll sour your attitude. Number two, it'll affect your character. It'll ruin your character. It'll turn your character from a godly character into something that's not godly. And finally, it'll kill your witness. It'll kill your witness. If these things and these offenses have taken over, then, then you're not going to shine Jesus like you should. <clears throat> so that's what Joseph understood is that everybody experiences trying times and you're going to experience trying times and maybe you're experiencing trying times right now. We've got to deal with them the right way. Here's the second thing we learn. Troubles make you either bitter or better. Troubles make you either bitter or better. Now, what could Joseph have done? Joseph could have focused on the past. He could have focused on the hurts. He could have focused on the wrongs. He could have focused on the injustices. He could have said, you know, I'm never going to forget what my brothers did to me. He could have said, you know, I'm never going to forget what Potiphar did to me. Potiphar was the captain of Pharaoh's guard and and, and Joseph was his slave, but he was running Potiphar's house and everything was going great. And then Potiphar's wife <clears throat> made a move on him when Mr. Potiphar wasn't home. And Joseph said, oh no, I don't do that. And uh, she told, she lied on him and said that, told Potiphar, Mr. Potiphar said, Joseph came on to me and tried to get with me and boy, he got mad and threw him in jail. And jo Joseph didn't do anything wrong. So Joseph could have said, you know, I'm never going to forget what Potiphar did to me, that the butler that was in prison with him, <clears throat> Joseph interpreted a dream, and that dream was that he was going to be released and get back in favor of the Pharaoh, and, and Joseph said, look, what's going to happen when you get out, tell Pharaoh about me, I haven't done anything wrong, appeal to him to pardon me, well, the butler got out and forgot all about Joseph, and Joseph could have said, you know what, I'm so hurt by that, I'm never going to forget what the butler did to me, that's what he could have done, but instead, Joseph chose to forget the past. He released his grip on every word, on every hurt, on every deed, on every grudge, on every Ill, Ill feeling. You said, now, Pastor, how did he do that? Let me tell you how he did it. He did it by the power of God. I think it's interesting. It was Moses, when he wrote this, <clears throat> put it particularly, Joseph said, God has made me forget. <clears throat> God has made me forget. All of my toil on all my father's house. It takes the power of God. I thought about the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul had a past. Paul had some things happen to him that were not so good. Paul was, Paul was a bad person, but then he got saved and God used him. But then he, you know, he used to be the attacker. And then he began, began to be attacked. He used to be the persecutor. Then he was persecuted. And Paul was stoned and shipwrecked and beaten and run out of town and went through so many things. He had a past. And Paul very easily could have been consumed with his past. But in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, Paul said, One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me. Forgetting them, see? Forget it. Let it go. <clears throat> it's in the past. And he said, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, 
I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, if I look to the past, it's going to hold me down. But if I look to Jesus, I'm going to be able to move up. And, and when you allow hurts and pains and things of the past and, and, and things that people have done to you, and abuses to, to dwell in your mind, it's just going to hold you down like an anchor. But when you say, you know what, I'm going to forget those things. I'm going to let them go. They're behind me and I'm going to go forward because I have a plan. God has a plan for my life. I have a destiny. I have something to do for God. I have a life to live. Then God sets you free. Some people say, you know what, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. I'll never forget what they did. I'll forgive them. But the Bible says I have to forgive them, Pastor, so I'll forgive them. But I'm not going to forget what they did. Well, all right. But tell me how that works for you because what that will do is that will become a stronghold in your mind. And all you'll do is just think about it, think about it, think about it, think about it. Some people will say, uh, Pastor, you just don't know. You just don't know. The wounds are so deep. Didn't happen to you, Pastor. Like I've never been through anything myself. You know, I've had people say that. Didn't happen to you. I'm like, okay, well, I've, you know, I've had my own hurts. Oh, the wounds are so deep, Pastor. They're so deep. I just, I just don't think I'll ever get over it. If you say the word never, those are absolute terms. And when you say, I'll never do this, it'll never do this, I'll never do this, absolute terms slam door the shut, or slam shut the door for God to do a work in your life. You slam the door and you say, it's like slamming the door in God's face and say, boom. God, you can't help me. I don't want your help because nothing's ever going to change in my life. Well, see, God has nothing to do with that. That's your decision. And so you have to choose and say, I'm not going to be this way. You can forget and you can get over the past by the power of God. Let me teach you another lesson here. Bitterness and resentment are destructive to your inner person. Bitterness and resentment are, are destructive to your inner person. Uh, we moved about three years ago, and the last place we lived, I had a bunch of oak trees in my front yard. Now, everybody just loves oak trees, and they're wonderful. I hated them. I hated them because they dropped leaves all over the ground, and I had to spend months mulching up leaves with my and bagging them and dumping them and and uh, they drop acorns, and they drop those little curly things in the spring, and they just make a mess. They're good in the forest. I don't want them in my yard, but I couldn't help it, and I had these trees. And be because they were oak trees, uh, they, had, they had within them something natural that created a problem for me. Oak trees make your soil acidic, because of something called tannin, tannin, T-A-N-N-I-N, that is contained in the leaves and also in the acorn casings. So all that falls on the ground, and then it makes the soil acidic. And so every spring, I spent money. <clears throat> I spent lots of money. I'd get seed, fertilizer. I'd water my yard and I would spend so much time working on that yard. I said, I'm going to have fescue in this yard. I love a good yard. I love a green yard. Just give me some water right here, Gabe. That's okay. Thank you. And, and I said, thank you so much. And I said, I love a green yard. I, want, I, I like to mow my grass. And every year I'd spend the money and I, would, and I would do what needs to be done. And every year, you know what? It failed miserably. I'd get some grass, but it would not live. Do you know why? Because there was acidic soil. Let me teach you something here. Listen to me. 
Let me teach you. Acidic soil cannot produce. It can only kill potential life. Let me say that again. Acidic soil cannot produce anything. All it can do is kill potential life. Nothing good can grow in the soil of a heart that is acidic, full of bitterness, full of negativity, full of resentments, full of hatred, revenge, unforgiveness. You know, you know what I've learned? A bitter, negative person can't keep friends. That's right. They can't keep friends. A bitter, negative person, you can't have a positive conversation with them. Sooner or later, it'll get, it'll get negative. A bitter, negative person can't maintain a long-term relationship. A bitter, negative person can't sit back and just enjoy the blessings of God. See, because there's a stronghold in their life and in their heart. So you've got to deal with the bitterness and the resentment or it'll destroy you. Here, here's the last point I want to make. You choose to forget the past and you choose to grow and develop in a positive way. It's a choice you make. You're not a victim of circumstances. You can choose. You can make a decision that will alter the trajectory of your life. Don't allow what someone has said or done to you in the past to disrupt your present and ruin your future. But rather make a decision <clears throat> to rise above it and pursue life and success and blessing. And again, you say, Pastor, that's so easy for you to say, but how do I do it? Listen to me. You do it by the power of God. You can't do it on your own, but by the power of God, you can do it. Joseph said, God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my afflictions. He was still in the land of the afflictions. His environment had not changed, but something changed within him. And he was able to be fruitful and productive and fulfill the dream that God had placed within him. <clears throat> what if somebody who hurt you was family? Family hurt is bad hurt. That can be a tough hurt to get over. Well, what if you have to work with that person who offended you? Ooh, that can be rough. What if they live in the same town as you? You have to run into them at the grocery store or the department store or uh, at the post office or the bank or in a restaurant. I've gone into restaurants before and I sat down and I had to look across and there was somebody there that... Ooh, the last time I had been with them, it, it, it was not very good. They weren't very pleasant. They weren't very nice. They were offensive to me. And now I'm just sitting several feet away from them in the restaurant. It's so tempting to just get up and walk out and say, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to do this. What if they attend your church? Woo! Pastor's done gone to messing now. What if they attend your church? <clears throat> Something to think about. What if they never say, I'm sorry? Sometimes you're never going to get an I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. You say, well, Pastor, I, I can't get over it. Somebody's got to admit they're wrong. I've, I've got somebody in mind right now <clears throat> that, if, that if, if I had my way, I, I wouldn't mind being restored in a relationship with this couple. But I'll tell you what I want. I want an I'm sorry. Any other words that come out of their mouth are not going to do it for me. To open the door of reconciliation, I need to hear a serious, authentic, genuine, I'm sorry. But you know what? Years have gone by and I haven't got one yet. 
He said, well, Pastor, are you, are you full of bitterness, resentment? Nope. Nope. I forgave them a long time ago. And I don't dwell about them and think about them, see, because I make the choice to not let that person drag me down. What do you do? You rise above those people and you live a blessed life in spite of them. Let me show you something. Everybody, most everybody, knows the 23rd Psalm. David wrote it. Let me show you something. David said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare, God, you prepare a table before me. You you make a meal for me. You know it's got to be good. But you do it, Lord, not among my friends, but in the presence of my enemies. Now, that's something to think about. The enemies were still there, but they were irrelevant. Why? Because they had lost their ability to adversely affect David. You see, let me just teach you something. You can live in the blessings of God in the presence of the very person's who afflicted you. If they get you down, it's because you allow them, see. But you have to make a choice that says, I'm not going to allow them. But by the power of God, I'm going to overcome this. How serious is this as far as God is concerned? Well, in chapter 48, Joseph's father, Jacob, blessed Joseph's two sons. So that would be Jacob's grandsons. And in his blessing... He established a saying for future generations of believers. And if you talk to Orthodox Jews and people who, who are in the Jewish faith and you bring this up, they will be able to answer you very quickly. This is, this is a blessing that they, they can say to you. And here's how it goes. May God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. That's the blessing. It's in the Bible. May God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. Well, what does that mean? Ephraim was rich and Manasseh was good-looking and popular? So God make me rich and good-looking and popular? Nope, that's not what it means. Go back to the meanings of these words. Make me forget and make me fruitful. And the blessing is, may God make you where you forget the hurts and the past and what people have done to you. And you rise above it and you live a fruitful, productive, successful life in the Lord, fulfilling your destiny, walking in God's divine plan, not letting these other things bother you, but just living your life. What did Jesus say? I have come that you might have life and not just live and exist. I've come to give you a super abundant life. That's what I'm talking about here. I want this sermon to be a declaration of blessing on your life today. I'm going to speak a declaration of blessing over you. Are you ready? Are you listening? You ready? Here it goes. May God make you fruitful and productive and spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy, mentally healthy, physically healthy, and may you forget every past hurt. May your heart be healed and may your mind set free by the power of God. Somebody in the room ought to be shouting, amen, hallelujah. Pastor, I accept that blessing. I receive that blessing right now. Everybody at home say, I receive that blessing. Come on, everybody and say it out loud. Come on, I can see you. I'm just kidding. But right now, everybody say, I receive that blessing, Pastor. Come on, receive it. I speak that blessing over you right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Who has hurt you? Who has pummeled you? What has taken its toll on you? 
What is the level of rage or anger or offense or bitterness or unforgiveness inside your heart? Wouldn't you like to be set free from that and start living? I want to tell you a story about a woman who lived quite a number of years ago. And if you're my age or older, you've heard of this person most likely. If you're younger than me, chances are good you may not have heard of this person. The woman's name is Corey Ten Boom. Isn't that a great name? Corey Ten Boom. Now, if that sounds a little unusual, it's because she's Dutch. She grew up in Holland. She lived in Holland. And she lived during World War II. She was a Christian. She and her family were Christians. And Corey Ten Boom and her family opened their house as a refuge for people who were being hunted by the Nazis. And they were very successful for quite a while until finally somebody told on them. And the Nazis came in, the, the secret police, and they arrested her father, arrested Corey and her sister, took them to prison, and eventually she entered, ended up in a, in a concentration camp. Remember, this was World War II. Her dad died in prison. He never made it to the concentration camp. Her sister died a horrible death there in the concentration camp. It was horrible. And if you want to, I would encourage you to Google this and read about her or get a book and read about it. It's fascinating. Well, when the war ended, of course, they were released from the concentration camp. And God moved upon Corey to travel all over the world and preach about the love of Christ and the forgiveness of Christ and how you can forgive others. She preached and she challenged people, but then one Sunday or one service, her preaching was put to the test. It was 1947. She was in Munich, Germany. She actually went to the, to the country that had invaded her homeland. She went to Munich, was going to the churches, trying to preach love and forgiveness to those people. And, of course, the German people were crushed. They had lost the war, and, and it was just a hard time. And she said that particular night she spoke and at the end, you know, she said, if you want me to talk to you, pray with you, I will. Nobody did. And, and she said there was one man that made his way to the front, and immediately she recognized him. He had been a guard in the concentration camp. And she knew him, and he had been mean and wicked and, <clears throat> and treated them horribly. And now here he stands before her in the church. And he walked up and he said, Fraulein, he said, you're right, God does forgive and God does love us. And he said, I'm a Christian now. And God has saved me. And he said, I know that I treated you horribly. And he said, he said Fraulein, and he put out his hand. <clears throat> he said, Fraulein, he said, will you forgive me? And Corey Ten Boom said that at that moment, she said it was just a few moments. She said it felt like eternity. She stood there. She said she didn't have any feelings. As a matter of fact, she said she was cold-hearted. Cold-hearted. She said, here is a man that I needed to forgive because I couldn't be forgiven if I didn't forgive him. And she said, but what was I to do? And she said under her breath, she said, Jesus, you've got to help me. Jesus, you've got to help me to do this. And she said, like, like almost like a wooden statue, cold-heartedly, she, she put out her hand. And she took him by the hand. And she said when she took him by the hand, the power of God came over her. And God at that moment healed her of the hurt. And God did a work in her. And she said there was no feeling. I was cold hearted. She said but when I took him by the hand, she said God flooded me with feelings of love 
and compassion that regardless of what this man was before, now he was saved and born again and he was my brother. And Corey Ten Boom said tears filled her eyes and she looked at that, that German man and she said, I forgive you, brother, and I forgive you with all my heart. God filled her love, her heart with love for a man that she very easily could have hated. I'm going to close with this. I know that what God is asking of you may not seem easy for some of you. Say, Pastor, I, I forgave because I don't want to go to hell. I know you got to forgive him, but I just can't seem to forget. But you must forgive to move on and know the blessings of God. And really, you need to somehow try to forget it by the power of God. Let me tell you something. Forgetting can be as difficult as forgiving. Let me say that again. Forgetting can be as difficult as forgiving. Corey Ten Boom later spoke of something that happened years later. Happened to her. She had some friends, church friends, if I remember right that did her wrong, they treated her wrong, mistreated her, offended her. And she forgave them, but she said that something happened and she started thinking about it. She would wake up thinking about it. And then it would come back and she would think about it. And she was praying, God, help me with this. And, and it just seemed like she was struggling to forget it. She forgave him, but to forget it. And so she went to a pastor and she said, Pastor, I need some help here. You, you've got to help me. I've forgiven these people. I just, I'm thinking about it. I wake up thinking about it. It's on my mind. It's tormenting me. What do I do? And I love what the pastor said. I thought this was so great. He said, Corey said, do you see that church tower over there? And she said, yes. He said, up in that church tower is a bell. And connected to that bell is a rope. And he said, when you pull the rope, it swings the bell. Just pull on it a few times. I've done that. I've, I've pulled the, the, the rope on a bell in a tower. It's pretty cool. It's loud. You pull it up and down, and it, and it gets the bell swaying back and forth, and then it goes ding, dong, ding, dong. And he said, you can let go of the rope, but the bell keeps swinging. Ding, dong, ding, dong. But he said, after a while, the momentum decreases. Ding. Dong, ding, and he said it slows down until he said finally you'll get one more sound, one more peal from the bell, and it'll stop. And he said, Corey, if you've been tugging on the rope of these grievances in your mind and in your heart because you keep thinking about them, then they're going to ring in your mind. He said, but once you let go of the rope and say, I'm, I'm going to make a decision not to think about them anymore, he said, it may take some time, but eventually it'll slow down and it'll stop and you won't have it anymore. I thought that was a pretty good illustration. Don't get frustrated if you say, Pastor, I just can't seem to get the victory in my mind. Listen, what I would add to that pastor's advice to Corey is this. You cry out to God and the God of Manasseh will make you to forget. He can set you free. And he can help your mind to think on the good things. And, the, and then God can help you to go on and live free from the bondage of what that person did to you. I, I want to pray with you right now. I know that.
that some of you right now are at home going, Woo, Pastor, what did you do? Watch my life this week? Or what have you been doing? Following me around? No, it's just God gave me this message because in all that's been happening, COVID 19 may have COVID 19 may have caused some things. Maybe they let you go at work. You're bitter. Maybe you got fired. Maybe you're furloughed. Maybe your job is struggling, and so you're 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 hurt. Maybe you maybe you've got displaced feelings. You're getting angry at God as if God's responsible. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how we get mad at God? God didn't do it, but we we got to get mad at somebody, so we get mad at God. And so you're just struggling right now. And, and, and I don't know. Maybe maybe there's been some conflict because of the pandemic. I don't know. Could be any number of things. But I just felt like God wanted me to preach this to you, to let you know you can be free. You don't have to live under that weight and that burden. Maybe something happened prior to the pandemic. You've been carrying this for weeks or months. It's time to get free. Time to be free from the power of God. So right there in your room, I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head. Singers, I want you all to get up here and get ready and just sing again. We're going to worship the Lord just like we do on Sunday mornings. But I want to pray over you, Father, in the name of Jesus. I feel the anointing. I feel the power of God. Woo! Lord, I believe that through the, through the Holy Spirit, you're moving into those places where our people are right now, where the viewers are, and you're touching people, and you're helping them right now. Maybe some folks are crying. Maybe some folks are wrestling, and they're struggling internally. But, God, I pray that you'll help them to forgive and to forget and to release so that they can walk and live in that super abundant life right now. I take authority over every lie of the devil. I, I, God, by the power of God, we come in and we tear down the strongholds. We take captive every vain imagination that's running rampant, rampant in our mind. We take authority over that. We stick it in a deep, dark cell in a dungeon and slam the door shut where we can't see it and we can't hear it anymore. We don't even think about it. By the power of the Holy Ghost. Woo! God, I feel the anointing. Touch people right now, God. If people are in sin, I pray that sinners right now who, who, are, who, who know they've offended God and are not right with you will cry out to you, Lord, and say, Lord, please forgive me. Save me. I'm sorry. And that, God, you will. Whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that, God, you'll save them and change them and make them right with you. Minister to everybody. Minister to your people right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I, I want you to do something. You know, because we record these, weird thing is I'm at home right now watching myself. I know that's weird. But Leah and I have sat in the room watching these, and, and, and we've got a TV, smart TV, so we watch it on the TV. And I know it's because we watch things on TV, it's so easy to just be passive. But I'm going to ask you to do something right now. It's going to take a little effort. It's going to feel a little weird because you're in your house or wherever you are. It's going to feel a little weird. Don't care. Don't care. It's your house. I want you to stand up right now. Go ahead. Stand up. And I want you to get your kids, your family, if it's just you and your spouse, or if you're by yourself, raise your hands. But otherwise, I want you to join hands, and I want you to pray as a family right now. And I want you to pray protection over your house. Pray against offenses. Say, God, we pray a hedge around this family. And if there are offenses in your family right now, maybe somebody needs to say, I'm sorry. 
Maybe somebody needs to apologize right now. Husband, you may need to apologize to your wife or wife to your husband or, or, or children. You may need to say, I'm sorry to mom and dad or parents. You may need to apologize to your teenager. I don't know. But why don't we just let God work right there? So right there where you are, go ahead, start praying. <clears throat> go ahead, start praying as a family. Dad, be the spiritual leader. If dad's out there, mom, be the spiritual leader. Guardian, grandma, grandpa, whoever it is. Hallelujah. Father, right now, as the families are praying, may the power of God come into that room as they pray for one another. God, let them put a hedge around our families and around our people, God, that we want to let offenses come in and hurts and things from our past. God, to destroy our spiritual life, but that God will be free from that, that we'll forgive and release and turn them over to you and walk and live in victory and freedom and prosperity and growth and blessing. Spiritually, I pray. Right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, do a healing work. Do a healing work, a restorative work, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now I want you to lift your hands at home. Come on, y'all. It's your house. Come on, turn it into a sanctuary. Just lift your hands and praise Him right now. Praise Him right now. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.